I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo. Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan. This is our global conversation show in plain sight. And today I'm going to introduce you to a gentleman uh, from California who is the producer, narrator, director of a six hour, four part series called COVID Unmasked. And Steve Miller, welcome to the show. Thanks, Christine. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that I was introduced to Steve Miller last week. We spent four hours on the phone talking about everything that had happened and uh, getting to know one another. And then I looked at his series, six hours. Okay. So this is six hours. So Steve, in, in one week, I got to know your body of work, you and your wife, Christina, uh, over the course of quite a lot of conversations. And it is extraordinary to have you on the show because I want everybody to know about this four-part, six-hour series that's being released, COVID Unvax. We're going to carry it next week. It's being released also on Children's Health Defense. And uh, it is extraordinary. How did you come up with this? Because it really is, it's not a documentary. It is not, uh, I, I call it a, a documentary essay about everything that happened during COVID and things that even I didn't learn, I didn't know about on the, in, uh, the part three about all the, I mean, I knew the technology, the dis digital passports coming. And then the fourth one is getting out of it, but you put two of my favorite people who are no longer with us in your documentary essay series, George Carlin, Robin Williams, because I've been saying in the last three years, I wish they were alive because boy, they would snap some people's head out of this woke nonsense and this uh, sheep-like, behavior that we saw all over the world. Explain to me creatively how you came to this, because you've been writing for, um, you know, for three decades plus in, you know, out in Hollywood. Yeah, I have been. Uh, and it was sort of a side interest of mine. I've been studying this stuff for years and years. Uh, the real turning point on this particular subject of pandemics was 2010, when somebody turned me on to the Rockefeller Foundation report which was predicting, quote unquote, a pandemic in 2012. Uh, it's pretty well known now. It wasn't very well known then. Uh, outlining 
every single thing that's happening now. You know, the masking, the forced vaccinations under the guise of voluntary vaccinations, uh, social distancing, on and on and on. So the lockdowns, of course. When it didn't happen in 2012, I thought, mm, okay, maybe that was off or maybe then more and more things were coming out from similar official bodies where I said, okay, they changed the timeline for whatever reason, but this is going to happen. There, there was no question. And as things revved up 2018, 2019, more and more signs saying soon. And so when it started in February of 2020, I said, that's it. I got to, this is what's more important than doing this. Uh, I knew there'd be other videos out there, some of them excellent, some not so much, but, uh, you know, we all bring our own sensibility to it. And I thought there's some things I could add that I didn't think, and I still don't think are, are covered quite the same way. So I dove in. It's, you know, it's, it's very, the, the reason why I want people to watch this is because it's a compendium of everything and it, and you really hit it, even though it's long and we talked about that. Yep. It's it's very important because it is there's no denying it when you see it all together in the different themes. Let's go through the first part one, the the theme when you set the pace there. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll back up for a second. That's exactly the one thing I was noticing and what I was seeing written and later many uh, of the videos that were out there is it was essentially preaching to the converted. Uh, it doesn't mean it wasn't adding some knowledge to them, but for somebody who was very skeptical but still willing to look, I didn't have any place to send them. People would ask me, oh, give me one place I can go or one thing I could watch. Everybody wants that quick, easy fix, don't a, they? A one-shop stop. Yeah, yeah one-stop shop. So I didn't have it. I thought, okay, let me do it kind of incrementally where I just take them along and prove everything I say. I don't expect them to trust me, nor should they or anybody, you know, without proof. So part one, I'm not going to say it's baby steps and everybody, I, even the people I know who know everything going on got things out of it, but it definitely was a lead in. And uh, it, it just covers at the very beginning, the inconsistencies, basically, well, why, the, if this, then why that? If that, why the other? Uh, some of them are pretty obvious now, some of them maybe not so much, but uh, things that you can't deny. And a big part of it is showing it visually. Uh, in the days of journalism, when we had such a such a science, um, you know, we knew a picture was worth a thousand words. Uh, in my territory in Hollywood, it's the same thing. Uh, show it, don't tell it is the byword. So there were there was a lot and still are a lot of written words about this, which is great. But people need to see it. They need to see it out of the horse's mouth. And that's what I'm doing from part one onward, you know, just showing in their own words. It's not me or you or someone else lecturing them about what's wrong or what's crazy or, or what's criminal. It's a, it's Fauci's own mouth. It's Brooks's own mouth. It's uh, well, a little later. It's Gates. It's Schwab. It's Harari. It's all the usual and on and on and on. So whenever possible, I'm trying to show what they say. That's unimpeachable. That's unassailable. How do you deny that? One of the one of the books I'm working on, Steve, you know, has uh, has a lot of what you have that's in there because it is about connecting the dots. And I, you know, I, I was interested to know because you're out there in Hollywood. Okay, you're in the business. Did you know about contagion? And you did, and you had it in. I think it was part three, if I'm yeah. not part three. 
Part and two, I believe. Is it part two? Okay. So, but you know, the contagion, when you talk about, you know, coming to the, um, what the Rockefeller report coming to your attention in 2010 yeah. and 2011 is when Hollywood produced contagion, which is about a virus in uh, Asia that ends up in the United States and there's a lockdown, <clears throat> pardon me, and people die and things like that. I mean, it's exactly. the same scenario, but the most interesting thing that you caught on this too is the fact that people connected to the coronavirus hunters group that we've repeatedly introduced our audience to over the course of the last three years. Ian Lipkin in your video was actually one of those guys and he is on the paper that you show that you know was a consultant with others from that group of scientists right. through that film. So this is this this is I mean it really is a historical context of this you know in the public domain you cannot miss any of this. Talk about the the creative process you went through because you're enlightened, you know, obviously you're well read because we've talked we've talked at great length about that. <laughs> but how did you how did you go through the creative process of this? Because it really was, I mean, for somebody like like us, and I mean, we're in the weeds of this story, but even I learned, you know, certain technical, I guess, advancements that these people want to implement beyond the digital passport. And how did you pick and choose what to put in this film? Well, oh, good question. Uh, you know, it's always a debate among writers of any type, how much of of it should be left to spontaneity, how much of it should be planned out. Uh, I tend to do a mixture. I had a rough idea in my mind that I have to lay it, lay down the groundwork, uh, showing first in part one. Actually, at the very beginning, I didn't even know it would be four parts, but I knew it would be long. I knew there was a lot to cover. Uh, but showing the corruption first of medicine, then of politicians and government in general, then on to the big boys, then on to big business, and the technocracy that's being foisted off on us now. So then I was just working out, okay, how do I lay this out? And it does sort of write itself, cliche as that may be. Uh, as far as the Lipkin uh, one you mentioned, he also says the WHO was heavily involved in that film. Mm -hmm. And we know in other films, and we see the funding of Gates and others, uh, in, in a lot of TV shows and a lot of film, Oh, we didn't even talk about the Gates funding, the article in the New York Times about the Gates funding of a deadly pandemic. I can't remember the year, but it was way back. It may have even been before Contagion. Uh, it was around that same time. There it was, was a around lot that, going on. It was around that same time because there was a there was a, a Gates call to action that the pandemic was going to happen. I mean, that that was it was around. I think it was actually before Contagion. I think so too. But right. Right in that 2009, 10, 11 period, there's a spate of, and, and then it continues. And then I show the timeline in with films, with TV shows. Obviously, I, I could have gone and gone. As it is, I probably showed a dozen or more uh, going up to February of 2020. Um, I probably could have shown 50. It just, it, it, it was just uh, almost epidemic in itself, the number of shows it's just this brainwashing process. They just inculcate us to this idea. Of course, there's going to be a deadly pandemic. And one of the things I point out, when you really think about it, prior to, say, 2000, we didn't even use the word pandemic. We knew what it meant. You may have heard it once in a while, but people would talk about an epidemic. 
pandemic wasn't part of the public nomenclature till maybe starting in 2000, even then not very common till maybe five, 10 years later. Now suddenly it's, it's everywhere. There was a constant threat, you know, Zika, Ebola, West Nile, swine flu, uh, on and on and on and on. I show all this and I believe it's part two, mm-hmm. but it's you all do. leaving. And you talk about Gabby and Seppi. You talk about the relationship to Gates and WHO and the pharma uh, links to that. It really is a connection of the dots. Did you, let me ask you just to, to reflect upon, as you were going through this process, were you also reflecting upon Hollywood's contribution to this? in terms of behind the scenes, leading up, landing it in the public domain and having an impact because Contagion was released in 2011. Oh, it was 11, okay, yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you because I mean, did, was, it, was it part of the vernacular in Hollywood if, if, upon reflection now? I can't say I was hearing a lot about it. Uh, it's more behind the scenes. They have these guys. Sometimes they don't even know. It's not like the writers are guilty. They're sold on something. It sounds like a great plot. Who doesn't love a, a scare story of, you know, mass death, mass, you know, a, a virus. So most of the writers, producers, directors, it didn't even occur to them that they're being played, but they were. Some of them know it now. Most of whom, the ones I know who know it, most of them want to remain anonymous. I understand why, but more and more people are waking up in Hollywood, more than people imagine. Is it, would that be considered sci-fi at the time and in 2011? Yeah, absolutely. Beyond beyond the reach of reality. Yeah, fantasy. Twilight Zone, (laughs) a fantasy. Like all the sci-fi of the 30s and 40s that talked about rocket ships and landing on the moon and everything else that that took place, robots. It's all been predicted with sci-fi first and sci-fi novels books, movies, everything, TV shows. Around the world in 80 Around days. the world in 80 days. Oh, it goes back H.G. Wells and Jules Verne, yeah. Right, right, Jules Verne. What was that, 1800s? 1800s for both of them. And they were both scientists, so they knew what they were talking about. And a lot of original science fiction especially was based on science. But, that, you know, it, it was interesting um, visually, in, in, in this six hour series, because you really, it's it's compounding. It, it is like, it's a buildup. But the fact that it would be considered in Hollywood sci-fi in 2011, and just the concept. And then what you have in here is the evidence and it just comes at you once again and again and again. And then, you know, the impact that it has on people's lives. I mean, the headlines and and, you know, although you you focus on, you know, mostly, on, you know, what happened in America, your headlines are international as well. That's because right. this, this was something that may have been in somebody's imagination. And then the question is the causality of it. Because it's it, it was intentional. It was predicted and it was intentional and they set the stage so that people would buy into it. They did it, yes, and they did it masterfully. Uh, They really set the stage so that by 2020, when they did it, well, of course there's a pandemic. One of the things I point out is why, just step back for a second, and I haven't heard any, maybe somebody has, but I haven't heard anybody make this point, but it occurred to me, why a pandemic in 2020? 
pandemics would be based on bad health, bad sanitation, bad by their own statements, they meaning the bad guys, as well as scientists in general. We're healthier now as a civilization, long way to go still, but healthier now than ever before in our history. Way healthier than Middle Ages, and they did have the Black Plague, but other than that, you didn't, and since then, you didn't have anything. And even then, they didn't lock down the world. They didn't have the technology to do it the way we did now. But there's no reason for an actual pandemic. There's no reason to believe in a pandemic, unless they create it artificially. That's a whole other story. Hopefully that doesn't happen in the future. But it's it became, because of all this onslaught of TV shows and movies, just, just pummeling us with this idea, it was like, oh, yeah, of course that could happen. And they don't even realize, well, they were hearing it on CNN. They were hearing it, seeing it in the movies. They were hearing it in New York Times. And it's been a 10, 15-year process, unfortunately. You know, there used to be, <clears throat> this is in the old days of journalism when we had ethics. Uh, there used to be. I remember those. Yeah. You remember? I think we I, both, I've heard them. We both do. But they would have editorial meetings with people. And if there was national security issues or if there's a story that the networks was working on, you might get a phone call. And it's a reasonable phone call and people aren't screaming about anything. It's a it's a civilized conversation saying, you know, can you just hold off on that? And we're going to come in and we're going to meet with you because of national security reasons. And this was a national security issue. Yet I haven't heard yet. Any, any conversations between the administration having a serious sit-down conversation with any editorial board. And I no. think that's very interesting because when there was one in the old days of journalism, in the days of ethics, you know, and this is this is this is this is between the Moreau boys, you know, and about 20 years ago, there would be those conversations, and we haven't had them. You and I should take a clipboard if we're ever in the same town, go out and, or, or I should come to DC, actually. We should interview some of these so-called journalists, top ones, and say, what do you know about Edward R. Murrow, I.F. Stone, even Walter Cronkite, you know. I know. Unknown. Un yeah, it's foreign. Well, it and is. They don't get their role. They don't get, oh, their job is not to be what we used to call hacks. You know, you're told what to write and you write it. Their job is to find the truth and dig and dig and not believe. If anything, you were being forced something, whether it's by an intel agency like the CIA or the FBI or uh, uh, business interests, you'd be skeptical. Why are they pushing me to write this story? That was the old line thinking of journalists, of real journalists. Well, we were, we were, I was taught by the second generation after Moreau. And I mean, we were, we were, we were taught to be skeptical. We were, you know, we, we were, we were unleashed to challenge authority. Right. Uh, that's kind of why I fit into the business. But I mean, we, we were not told to become, you know, wallflowers and, and not to inquire and not to demand and not to believe. And I mean, people knew me well enough to know this. Don't try to lie to me or just don't return my phone call. I mean, it was that's, you know, that's was, right. And, it, and was they, and they, it was absolutely a noble profession. It well, really was. It, was, it was noble in the sense if you understood in the in the school of Ben Bradley school, you know, of journalism, that if a source lies to you, there's nothing off the record. That's right. Nothing that's off right. the record. And that's why they should be scared to death of you 
or, you know, just, you know, if you want to tweak it, that's fine and laugh about your statement. But at the same time, don't intentionally lie to a journalist, especially an investigative journalist. And God knows we're far and few between, you know, in this generation, uh, we're trying to do the best we can at uh, CD Media. We really are. Listen, we're going to take a break for about 30 seconds. And on the other side of it, Steve, I want to ask you about uh, what's going on in Hollywood. Okay. I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, an investment advisory practice. I've been an advisor for nearly 30 years, and one of the questions I get asked most frequently is, do I have enough money relative to other people my age? And while that's an interesting question, it's also the wrong question. The right question is, is do you have enough money to sustain your lifestyle for the rest of your life? This is a question you should know the answer to. This is what we do. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our Big Proud American Eagle logo. All right, so coming out of this, I want to ask you about what's going on in Hollywood relative to your production. Because, you know, in your second, I know these people's names, but I'm just wondering if, does Hollywood understand in your second hour, you you know you have uh, the gentleman from Chatham House, which I think is very interesting. I, I had not seen that video before, so I want you to explain. Do people there even know Chatham House? Tim Schwab, have they seen the video of our, our dear friend at CD Media, Angelia and Sean, who were um, COVID vax injured? And you've included that in the second hour. Do, do people know about this in Hollywood? More and more. Most, no, but a surprising number, yes. You know, one of the points I always make, it doesn't take 100% of the people to defend our right. It doesn't take 50%. Uh, if you study the American Revolution, I think you and I may have talked about this in our thousand hour con uh, filibuster conversation. Filibuster, yeah. Yeah, but the best estimates I've seen by historians for the American Revolution is about 20 to 30% of the colonists agreed going to war against England for our independence. Uh, about the same number were loyalists. They fiercely disagreed. The majority in the middle, probably about 40 plus percent, were like, whatever, wake me, whatever you do. I, you know, I have wake, wake us when it's over. I have my, yeah, you know, I have my family, I have my farm. And, and that's so I've always said it's just my own arbitrary number, but it's my sense of history. It takes about 10 percent of the people uh, to really bring about what you're trying to bring about, you know, a, a fight against tyranny and against oppression. We are there and beyond. And yes, we are even there, I believe, in Hollywood. It can't be a coincidence. Too many people I've talked to, some of them big names, a lot of them not, but influential and behind the scenes, they know. Now, they know to different degrees, but they know. Do they care? Yeah. They yeah. do care. They do care. They don't necessarily know what to do about it, which was getting back to probably your original question to me at the beginning. Uh, What's the solution? Why, why is it so long? Well, part four is a solution. Uh, one of the problems I found, if you don't mind me pivoting off this for a second. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, one of the problems I found is the solutions, they're all true. And obviously there's a multitude of solutions. They sounded good. They're a bit general. People don't know what to do with it. You tell them, just say no, you know, say no way. I won't wear a mask. Okay. Nobody's arguing, but uh, I've had housewives say, I'm a single mom. My kids need to eat. I'm shopping. There's a big security guard. He's bigger than me. He won't let me come in the store if I don't wear a mask. What are, you're telling me? Just say no. How do, uh, I agree in theory, but how do I apply that? 
So there's a, people will say decentralized. Also true. We know everything has gotten more and more centralized, more and more federalized uh, over the past decades. And the plan is to be ultimately worldwide, you know, with, with one world government and you know, global governance and all the rest. Uh, but again, people go, OK, how do I decentralize exactly? Yeah, I could shop at local stores. Uh, three quarters of the time they end up being Starbucks or owned by Starbucks or owned by you know, the big boys who are then owned by BlackRock or State Street. or uh, So um, I was trying to be more practical. And I have one specific thing, uh, people will see it in part four, that incorporates, encompasses all those things. It's something anybody could do. It's easy. It's not scary. You won't lose your life. You won't, you won't lose your job. Uh, if you want to do more, there's more you could do. And I show that too. But it's kind of a rallying point. Uh, and it's a way to save the country, the best way I know of. A few people have mentioned it. I don't think they've given it quite the importance that it deserves because it is the solution. Let's go to, I want to I want to ask you about this in, in a very serious way, because I know that there have been in the last three years, you know, I've had people, everybody's gone through this. If you if you if you believe that there's something crazy going on here, you know, right. some of your family and friends think that you've completely lost your mind. And right. I've, I've lost some friends, but, you know, eventually they're going to wake up or they're going to be dead. I mean, it's just that simple. That's right. But at, the, at the same time, you have had and we talked about this in, in our marathon uh, conversation about the focus groups and you showed it to people who are on the fence. And we talked about the fact that Ed Dowd's book, Causes Unknown, um, had an impact for people coming from who like the numbers. I mean, Ed worked at Black uh, Rock That's and right. he took a $2 billion fund into, I don't know, 14 or $16 billion later. But he looked at, Ed looked at the trends. We endorsed them. I read the book and I said to myself, it should be underneath everybody's Christmas tree that, you know, that holiday, because it, it's, it's, a, it's a different understanding from a different perspective about the same issue but it would convince some of those people who are on the fence who look at numbers. You had a focus group take a look at this. How did they see it? It was thrilling. Uh, it was 100% of, with three different focus groups. Anybody that was willing to look, I don't even, some of them I wouldn't even call on the fence. They were willing to acknowledge there may be a fence there. You know, they had a way to go to even be unsure, but they were remotely open minded. If they're not, nothing, you're not going to, you know, if they're not, if somebody's not willing to look at anything, that's it. But for anybody else, it got through to them, which was the most enthralling part about it for me, because that's what I wanted to do. Again, I didn't want to preach to the choir. I wanted to uh, get the new people. You know, there's too many of the same, you know, we all read the same substacks, the same emails. They need to be done. They get new people sometimes, which is great. But there's a lot of cannibalizing going on right now in our own group. And we I wanted a tool where people say, OK, I know this stuff, but what do I give to my mother, father, brother, son, you know, grocery man who who's asking me or is willing, but I need to give them one thing. And I thought and people had asked me that in the beginning. And I thought, wow, well, this is good. But OK, this one covers the poison of the vaccines, but they want, you know, I want something that covers it all. So that's why you that's why you just I mean, but, but when when they looked at when the focus group got together 
Did they see all six hours? Did they see a, a short compilation? Almost all of them were able to stay. Yeah, a couple of them couldn't make it for, say, part three, but even they came back for part four, so I knew it was nothing personal, which was nice to see. It, it's, I mean, I tried to make it as intriguing as possible, as fun as possible. It's an odd thing. It's almost counterintuitive. You would think the more serious the subject, the more serious you have to be in approaching it. Uh, that's understandable. You're not going to sit there and you know be Bozo the Clown, but people need, it's too heavy. And, and I've seen things where people go, I can't take it. It's 100% true what they're presenting, but it makes you want to kill yourself. You know, it's just, okay, I'll lay down and die now. So I have to give them hope. There has to be some lightness within it and some sense throughout that as horrible as this is, we can win. And then part four, we can really win. Here's how. It's not even all that hard. It is inspiring. And, and, and as I said at the beginning of the show, and I have said this, you know, I, I, I sort of I, I just drop it in maybe every other day with my conversations with people because it seems so insane in the last three years and seriously insane. I mean, it's, this is this is a life and death situation. But I would say, you know, when I would see the insane, insane behavior. I wish that somebody like Robin Williams, who I adored, you know, or George Carlin, who made me laugh till I cried, even though, you know, he could be offensive to some people in polite society. He really smacked you in the face with the both smacked you in the face with the humor. And you included that in this, which I think is how did you how did you come to that? Because, I, you know, I, to me, I mean, that works because you see the headlines, you, you hear the facts, it is repetitive in this film, and then punch. Like, folks, what's it going to take to wake you up? Yeah. Was that, it, was that something that your focus group admired about this? Yes, very much so. Very much so. It's necessary throughout history. I mean, nothing... There was a quote I saw once, and I'll be damned if I could find it again, but I want to. I think it was from Jonathan Swift. I've Googled it. And I wasn't able to find it. The gist of it was you could do more with satire than you can with any amount of nonfiction or anything. So I don't remember the exact wording, but you have the power and the, the uh, longevity of a Mark Twain, of a, of, Mar of a Jonathan Swift, of an Aristophanes going way back and on and on and on. There's a reason. You know, there's a reason people need it. And again, it has to balance because you can't, as you said, you can't overstate the solemnity of this. This is the world, the end of the world, as we know it. This is the end of freedom. This is the end of humanity. This is transhumanity, transhumanism. It's all in their own words. You know, the other side could call it conspiracy theories all they want. You can call it whatever words you want to use. But that's why most of my videos, I have over 525 clips and yeah, some of them are TV shows and movies. Some are good guys on our side who are talking about it. But the majority are the bad guys. It's the, in their own words. How do you argue if that's what Bill Gates, if that's what Klaus Schwab, if that's what Harari and the others are saying? That I found was the most powerful. That's also I why I use in the narration a fair amount of snark and sarcasm. It's appropriate. But I earn it because I'm showing it. That's it's right. It's not just random. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things, because I, I think through the minds of a, a criminal, someone who's been trained as a criminal investigator, it, it's uh, extraordinary to me that, and it's, it, it's, it's six hours that any prosecutor across the world should sit down and watch because you can elicit from that an indictment. 
I, I want to tell you that actually crossed my mind going through wow. this, even though it's not the fraud, it's the, it's the uh, opening to the caves to get inside, to go even deeper because it, the pick, the, the, I don't want to call it a pictorial because it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not feature. Okay. Right. It's a very serious documentary essay series about, and it's not a myth. It's not twilight zone. It is serious and it was predicted and it, and then it came to fruition and then look at the consequences. It was like, you know, life is stranger than fiction back in the contagion. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's and it's very very serious and the indictment is always about impeaching people in their own words that's actually music to my ears christine because the thing i set out to do in a nutshell is prove what i'm showing beyond a reasonable doubt that's exactly what i want to do because to me the onus of responsible of proving it is mine you know i'm not these people that sit there oh the sheeple they'll never learn the rabble the hoi polloi that's not my attitude my attitude is Give them the truth, give it to them in a way they can handle, in a way that doesn't make them lay down and die. The majority can handle it and will. So it's oh, up I to me. You know, I, I try to put that on me. I don't want them to try. They don't know me, and that's just as well. I don't want them to. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about these facts and what's going on, what they planned out, why COVID, why it, it didn't happen to become the Great Reset. You know, obviously, that was all planned. More than obviously, I show how that was all set up in advance. Right. So every single thing that's being done, the digital currencies, the CBDCs, the depopulation agenda, the transhumanism, and the whole litany of stuff, every one, I show documents that um, were written before 2020. You know, it's In amazing. some cases, ones that you can't, that nobody had ever seen. I, I was pretty good at grabbing things before they disappeared from YouTube. Well, let, let's let's talk about history because um, you and I have privately spoken about the fact that you know we've got a generation out there born after born after 1990 in the United States. It's about 75 to 80 million people who don't know the world pre-internet, uh, and then they miss the value of history. They and consequently not going through that process of appreciating history or reading books uh, and connecting the dots. We always said when you and I were children, we always heard never again because of the Holocaust. Right. And now they, people don't even know what we're talking about because they don't know about history. All right. So historically, this six hours brings forth something that's happened for, you know, in the last three years. But I think it's just a God wink that this is being released this week. You know, we're going to run it Monday through Thursday. Self-defense is going to run it. But the fact that we're now moving into phase two, it's fortuitous that this is being released because it's, you know, if you take a look at the headlines just in the last, I want to say, week, 10 days, New Jersey's talking about COVID in, in uh, nursing homes. Kentucky's talking about uh, the schools and the mask. Montgomery County in Maryland is talking Maryland, about putting yeah. on masks. You know, the variants coming out. Uh, President Biden came out and said, well, we're going we're gonna to order another billion shots of, you know, whatever, of, of the variant that's coming that we don't know, but he's ordered it up. As you got to love it. Yeah, I mean, you got to love the insanity of yeah, what's sure. coming out of the White House. And they're not backing down on this. No, they're so not. How do you how, give us the pitch why 
people should watch this from you who put it together, examine this like a, almost like a historian. Uh, in a nutshell, well, a couple answers I can give, but in a nutshell, if it was 20, 30 years ago, I'd be saying, and you'd be saying, as a lot of people said, we, you have to know this for your kids. You have to know this for your grandkids. Now it's your kids and it's you, and it's not in 15 years and it's not in a, a half a century. It's within, they, there's a reason it's agenda 2020. There's a reason they're saying in, by 2024, that's, that's how many, a few months away by 2025, this and I, I lay it out. This isn't the future in it. This is the immediate future. This is almost literally tomorrow. Some of these things, when, when you talk about Maryland and, and what's going on, they're testing it now in New York, Chicago, LA, the big oh, places. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's and right. Are, are we going to do it? Will the people buy it again? And there are players, Bill Gates, of course, being the main one for COVID because that's his baby. He just loves that one. That's his um, bank. It's not his baby. It's his bank. Let's, let's, let's be honest about it. There Bill Gates is making billions. Bill, off I break billions. that down, as you remember, in part two. I show right. the money he made. By inv he invested in BioNTech, which was an unknown startup. Uh, what was the number? 50 million? Uh, anyway, it became it. it uh, I can't remember how much it increased. 70 times. You know, I show the numbers. You show, it, you you show the numbers. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's yeah. I mean, it's just unfathomable. The numbers, the gain. And again, even more than the money, his power and control. And in some cases, even more than the power control, it's just evil for evil's sake. Some of yeah. it is just outright evil where they don't even need the money. You know, these guys don't need the money. They want it anyway because it's like a drug. But more than that, it's it's indescribable. We don't understand it because we're not that. You know, Krishnamurti said 1% of the people ruin it for the other 99% of us. Uh Dr. Uh, you and I talked about it. Dr. Stout, uh, the sociopath next door, said about 4% of the people are in, the, in any society are sociopaths. They have no conscience. So they're saying so somewhere between 1% and 4% of people just, are just evil. They don't care. We can conjecture why, where they're from, who they are, you know, all of that. But regardless, we know they do evil. That's you right. Know, you, That's yeah, right. everybody, you know, I always say to people... Consciously and without okay. a conscience. No, I, I say, uh, how many people you know that want to see more crime? And of course, the answer is zero. Good. How many people you know want to see more homeless? Zero. Why do we keep having more crime? Why do we keep having more homeless? How many people do you know that want to see uh, more inflation? Zero. Why do we keep having more? More illness, more cancer. Turn of the century, cancer was one in a hundred. 10, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, it was one in three. Now they're saying it's one in two, possibly higher. On and on and on. So with all these people, all us good people, the overwhelming majority who disagree about all kinds of things, that's fine. But none of us want to see more of the bad. None of us want to see our kids being taught smut the way they're being taught in school. Yet it keeps happening. So somebody, if we're all pushing in one direction, somebody's pushing back and pushing back harder. It's that simple. It doesn't mean there's more of them. There aren't. It means they have more connections, more influence this way or that. Well, we could still win. But it's such an easy, it's so obvious when you look at it. Why is it a given that, of course, we could, you know, in our generation, we could walk to school. But of course, now the kids couldn't. Why? And you go through the list and people say, oh, it's just a different time. No, no. <laughs> I, I, talk about a non-answer. <laughs> oh, it's just absolutely. It's a non-answer. Let me ask you this: 
when you were going through the process, because I because I, I know this is a writer, and I know this is an is an investigative journalist. There's always that aha moment where everything you know you, you've got you've got pieces that are in silos, and then all of a sudden it comes together. I, I know that when I was yeah. educated about human trafficking in 2000, I know the time, I know the date, I know where I was, and it was uh, it, it was a head snapping experience. It yeah. changed my life when the Hague Corn Unit brought me in on the inside. And I realized that there that there were people on this planet that we call Earth in what we call civilization targeting kids as young as infants. And it was head to me. What was your head snapping moment for this film? And this experience in the last three years for you that that ended up in the film? It's funny because even when there's different levels of knowing something. So even though I knew it, even though I knew it was coming, you never quite believe it, even when you know it. Mm -hmm. Um, When it started in 2020, that was the first head snap. Like, oh, it's real. They're here, like the movie says. Then when they started escalating it and they were talking about the Great uh, Reset, then when the vaccine, so I'd have to say there were a number of those aha moments. Like, the thing I knew was going to happen is really happening. And you never quite believe it, even when you know it, until it's there. Even now, oh, you and I talked about this. Like, can we really picture what 2024 is going to be like? No, it's beyond our, our worst nightmares in some way. Okay. And it could be our beyond our wildest dreams if we play it right, because this has been building and building. Society has always been corrupt. Criminals at the top have always gotten off. They've always been protected. And we've hit the boiling point. It's now or never. You know, the corruption has got we were able to limp along, even though the criminals and their suits and ties at the very top could could keep doing what they're doing. We still had a good amount of freedom. Your kids could grow up and with a little bit of luck, they could pursue the life they want to pursue and have a good. Now, no, that's over. Now we take them on and either we win. It's a fight to the death. It really is. What's the the aha moment? What's the big takeaway, Steve, that you, you know, just to to close this, this show out, what is the big takeaway you want? I want people to watch this film. But as the as the director, the producer, the narrator of the film, the, the person who put together this wonderful compilation of Thank visuals, you. Uh, you know, and it, it's gut punching. It's gut punching for people if they don't believe it, if they if they don't understand it, if they are confused, if they don't know who to believe. All you have to take a look is the evidence. I, I was thinking, you know, when I when I said earlier about, you know, I want my prosecutorial friends to take a look at this. I also looked at it through the eyes of, of if I were sitting on a jury. And that's how you I know, wrote it without even consciously thinking about it at first. But I did have those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I, as I said, I want this to be unassailable. I, I, I want it where it's proven beyond a reasonable doubt. It is. To me, it's proven beyond all doubt. Which well, congratulations on this. I mean, I think I, I think it's wonderful. It's long. You know, we talked about the fact that you cut it down and then you lose the impact because of the impact. And you have to you have to loosen it up, and because having having the cutaways of of uh, of George Carlin, I, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you how happy I am because you know I kept on saying in 2020, oh my God, I wish Carlin's and Robin Williams were alive because because they would have snapped people's heads out. And and with the censorship now, we've you know we've shut down the comedians as if that's normal. That's not normal. 
in our time, the, the rebels, the comedians were the rebels, the artists by definition were the rebels. The people, it's wild that it's all switched around. The liberals were the rebels. The And now it's just a complete flip. Well, it's not a satirist anymore. If it's tame, if it's anodyne and inoffensive, that's not satire. No, but but whoever said that liberals couldn't be fascist? That's that's also another myth. Not me. (laughs) me. And that's a whole other story. You're right because you look at the study of Mussolini, for example, the home of actual you know fascisti party, the fascist party. And he was a socialist, a liberal socialist. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, so people forget history. You can be fascist on the right. You can be fascist on the left. You can believe in God, you know, and you, and, you and, and, and be liberal and be, you know, pro-life. Yes, correct. I mean, it, you be- for anybody for anybody to sit around and say, you know, oh no, this is this is fascist just on the right. Oh no, no, no. That historically, that is inaccurate. Oh, it's, it couldn't be more inaccurate. It's a masterpiece of propaganda. Yeah, uh, Huey Long, the senator of uh, Louisiana, way back, I think, about the turn of the century. And he said, fascism will come to America and it'll come in the form of anti-fascism. What do we have now? Antifa. I, I mean, it couldn't have been written or predicted <laughs> more exactly. But I've always said, if you know history and the better you know history, the more you'll sound like a Nostradamus. And it's mm-hmm. inaccurate because you're not predicting anything. You're just perceiving and discerning patterns. It's all over and over again. Well, I think this has brought a smile to my face. Okay, oh, it, it, you know, among many, many sad stories uh, in the last three years, because even though this is a sad, sobering time that we're all living in history, I want to promote to everybody: take the time, come back to us, come over to go over to Children's Health Defense this week. We're going to run these these four uh, hours, and we're going to lead them up. They're free for the world to be educated with. COVID Unmasked, Steve Miller, God bless you, and thank you for doing this project. Oh, my pleasure, Christine. You have the last words. Any message you want to give people? Oh, about anything? Oh, Mm -hmm. it's a dangerous thing to ask a writer. I know, Uh, know, but but I've gotten to know you very, very well in the last Same, same. It's to say it's a passion project is the understatement of the century. You know, I, I was locked in the same room I'm in now, my small office. My wife would cook food for me. She's also an incredible researcher. I had about, I don't know, about two dozen, but probably 15 to 20 people sending me different things, clips. If I thought they would work, I used them. My wife found things better than any, I don't know where she found some of them. So, you know, I'm beholden to her beyond words. And I was just locked in my room. She put up with it because like me and and you had the uh, privilege of talking to her. uh, This is just what we're doing now. This is it. I am not making a dime. I don't even have a GoFundMe page. I wouldn't even know how to do that. I probably should, but I haven't bothered. I paid for it myself. I'm not, I could have sold it. I don't want to. If it would cost one person not seeing it, it wouldn't be worth it. So I said, no, I want it for free. I want everybody to see it. I didn't even want my name out there, but. Okay, that's <laughs> the universe had other plans. So, so it's not an ego project like many here in Hollywood. It's not a money project. It's just to get the word out. Because I tell people, aside from anything else, if this, what you're doing, what I'm doing, what many other people are doing, uh, if we don't do it, it won't. The money won't matter anyway. Nothing will matter. I mean, that's well, it'll ha- we're it'll talking a again. year or two. It will happen again, and, and it won't be 60 years from now. It'll be it, it will not. No. That's right. That's so right. it's the time is now. 
Steve Miller, thank you again. God bless you. And thank you. Uh, and I want to push this out. COVID unmasked, folks. We're going to be running it Monday through Thursday this week. It's going to be up. Push it out. It's long. It's six hours. It's worth it. I sat down. I watched it. And even though I'm deep in the weeds, uh, it is probably uh, in your face. You can't deny this. This is this is where we have been. This is where we're going. And there is a solution to this. Yeah. Thanks. And I made it, as I mentioned to you, I made a point of it. It is not political. It doesn't matter. No, uh, it's it, not. None it's, of that. It's, it's not a matter. It's not religious. It's not political. It's not, you know, people will always disagree about certain things. That's how it should be. We don't want everybody on the same page. I hate that phrase. But uh, well, <laughs> what's, in, what's interesting is you use the people who say this didn't happen the way we know that it happened. And you use their headlines. That's which That's, is any time I have a headline by any source, no matter how valid that I know could be uh, attacked or indicted for being conservative, alt-right, you know, whatever, conspiratorial, whatever they want to say about it. I'll, I'll have three from the New York Times, CNN, Washington Post, Newsweek. So nobody could say it's biased. And it's not. It's and not, it's amazing. It's how, yeah, I, I will say for, for as atrocious and abysmal as the state of so-called journalism is now, Every once in a while, things sneak through, which is why I do have those headlines. Every once in a while, they shut it up fast, which is why I screenshot it and keep it. Uh, and a lot of this, a, a fair amount of things I have were taken down immediately, sometimes in a matter of hours, which is funny. But there is stuff that got out there, you know, and, and there are there are things even from those sources, amazingly. You know, there's there's something, and I I think it's in the second hour. And correct me if I'm wrong, Steve. The Chatham House footage, that is heavy stuff. And that is in the Chatham House where you're supposed to not really share things. How did you get that footage? I don't remember. I don't remember. That is something that I remember the piece, but I don't remember how I got it. People, people need to need to definitely focus on what happens in the Chatham House because it's uh, it's in plain sight. Yeah, it is. Sight. So I'm going to leave the mystery of that. Uh, and for people to just go to it and take a look at it. And I just want to honor you for including Angelia DeSales, who's a friend of the shows, and Sean, the footage of them who are um, COVID vax injured. We, we interviewed them going back to 2021. Oh, boy. And so I, I know that that footage is for real. I know these two women. It's a, They're extraordinary. They And people should be praying for them because... They have been through hell and, and they haven't come back yet in terms of their health. And that's what people need to focus I on. This, but this is not about COVID vaccine injury, but you did include them, um, footage of their injuries in there. So I just wanted to acknowledge that in case anybody says, oh, you know, that doesn't make sense. No, that we, we have already done interviews with those two women. Yeah. Again, yeah. How evil do you have to be to deny that either one of them exists as a person, much like which is what was done? That's right. I can't, I can't even fathom it, you know. And yeah. again, if, if you know them, if you're still in touch with them, just remind them again, it's not most people. It's not even, it's a tiny percentage. And all of this is done because of it, because most of us, they don't want to force vaccines. They don't, so-called vaccines that aren't, they don't want to change our DNA. They think humanity, you know, perfectly fine form. We don't need to change into robots with our brains cut open and everything else that they describe in detail that you'll see in part three. They don't want to see more crime, more cancer, more this, more that. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny percent. We have the numbers. Of course we can do it. 
Of course we can do it. That's right. right now, they've been better organized. That's all. That's, That's right. going to change. That is, and with, with, with the body of this work and, and the you. six hours you put together, and I can only imagine how many hours that you put into making it happen. Again, Steve Miller, COVID Unmasked, six parts, four parts, six hours, folks, released this week, and everybody should take a look at it. Please. Again, Steve, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you, Christine. Thank you very much.